You know, as we begin and, and start to talk a little bit about relationships, um, I, I just uh, this has been in, this has been in, in my heart for for a while as I continue to to just pray and seek the Lord as to what we're what we're doing and where we're going and the things that I talk to most people about the situations that arise most in people's lives deal with relationships. They don't necessarily deal with things they get or don't get. It's, it, there are financial situations and issues and, and some job situations and issues, and, and there are things that arise. But by and large, you know, as, as I've been in, in the ministry, and I haven't been as the pastor very long, but I've been doing things around here for 15 years or so or whatever, most of the situations, when you begin to talk to people and share with them, most of the situations that arise deal with relationships. It's the people that they know. It's the people that they live with. <laughs> Most of the time, it's the people they live with. But sometimes it's the people that they know. Sometimes it's their boss, and sometimes it's people that they have in the neighborhood or an old friend, or you know, maybe it's somebody they, they, they were friends with at one time and things aren't going well. But, but of those group, you know, of that group, most of it deals with you know, the people you live with. You know, and of that, it's, that's most of the time your spouse. There's kids involved, and there's family members and those kind of things, but we're just going to take a few weeks and begin to share, and I'm just going to set a foundation, I think, today uh, about what we're, going to, what we're going to talk about. The title, or what we've, we're going to talk about today, is Dealing with Expectation, and really most of what we talk about today deals with like the marriage relationship in your spouse and you. And uh, if you're here and you're not married, you're not off the hook because the, the, the truths that are in here, the principles that are in here really truly w- work in all of your relationships. That if you will truly put the other person first place in your life, I am telling you, you will not have relationship issues. They may have issues with you, but you won't have issues with them. And if you're putting them first place in your life, it's very difficult for them to have issues with you. But the most important thing is that puts you in a place of strength. That puts you in a place of prosperity because that puts you in the place of living in the center of God's will. And if you want to be blessed in your life, and especially in your, in your earthly relationships, the ones that we have on this earth, you, you have to understand the difference between the desires and the dreams and the wishes that we have and what happens when we take those things and make them expectations. Something horrible, something goes way wrong when we decide to take all these things. Maybe they're God-given dreams, desires, and expectations, things that he has told us, shown us, things he's put in our heart. But then when we begin to take that dream, desire, or wish and make it an expectation in our life, we have just made somebody, we've named our spouse, we've named our children, we've named the boss, we've named our neighbors, we've named our sister or our brother, we've named somebody the provider. You are now in charge of meeting my need. You are now in charge. I expect you to do this. And what we have to realize is that puts us in a horrible position. And if we will understand and realize in the end that God is really truly the one who grants all our dreams, desires, and wishes, that we look to him as our provider, and that we purpose in our heart to love the people who are around us with all of our heart, then everything's going to go well for us. We won't have problems, we won't have issues, and we'll be living on cloud nine, being blessed by God in everything that we do. Not that we won't have trials, not that we won't have you know, tests and things that come our way and storms that we go through in life, but we'll see them differently and we'll face them differently. The problem with relationships in our life, we want them to work like we do our car. We want to turn the car on and we want to start it, we want to drive across town, we want to go where we're going, and we don't care how it works. 
Have you ever been around the mechanic and you take your car in because it's not working well and they want to tell you all the reasons why this doesn't work? Do you even pay any attention? No, because you don't care. I just want it to work. We want our relationships, we want our marriage to just work. We don't necessarily care how it works. We just want it to work. Women can get in the car and drive it all day long. They don't care if it's making all kinds of noises. Have you ever gotten in your car with your wife and you're driving along and all of a sudden you, you hear something? Clink, clink. And you turn the radio down and you say, shh, 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 listen to that. And your wife says, what? 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 Listen to what? I didn't hear anything. There's no problem. No, no, listen. Shh, be real quiet. There, did it again. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, women, when you want to talk about your relationship with your husband, that's what we hear. Nothing. There's no problem. What's the matter? It's all good. No, honey, really, seriously, we need to talk about what? I didn't hear anything. I, I don't know, what, I don't, I don't know what, what you mean. So today, as we talk and we share a little bit about, about expectations and dreams and those kind of things in our life, it, it, as far as our relationship goes with our spouse, I would encourage you, focus on you. Don't think about the person who should be here if your spouse isn't with you, or don't think about the person next to you. Keep your elbows to yourself. Okay? Keep your arms in, and uh, if you need to elbow something, elbow you. Because if you feel the need to elbow somebody else, that's probably God pumping you with one in the head. So we're like rock'em, sock'em robots. When he pops us in the head, our arms go out like that. And so we, we tell the people next to us, hey, you need to listen up. Really what we should say is God's telling me to listen up. You're the only person that can, you can really control anyway. And it becomes one of the more difficult situations and issues when you deal with relationships and you deal with marriages that everybody has a will. And, and the thing that you can do is control you. And you can make sure that you're in the right place and you can make sure you're in the right spot. We can't always control the other person and, and people do crazy things and end up in crazy situations and it starts with a thought and it goes its direction. And, but the truth is really you are the only person that you can control. And so what we're going to focus on in the next few weeks really is what do I need to do? Say, I need. I See, what do I need to do in my life so that my relationships flow well? Because your whole life revolves around relationships. From the moment you wake up in the morning to the minute you go to bed, you are dealing with people. And dealing with people can become tiresome if you're dealing with people. It says in the Word of God that your fight isn't against the person you sleep with. It's not against the person that, you live, that lives in your house. Your fight is with principalities and powers and the rules of darkness of this age. And so you understand that. You begin to change your focus. And we went through four weeks and talked about heart attitudes and all those kind of things so that our hearts could be clean and our hearts could be pure. And in the end, we said, God, have your way in my life. Work in me. Chisel out the things that don't need to be here so that I could become everything that you want me to be. Why? Because living a life that you were born to live, living this life that's full of God's abundant life that he has promised us in John 10, 10, means that you have a smile on your face, you're walking in joy, you're walking in happiness, nothing brings you down, you are sharing God's love everywhere that you go, and it's almost like you're walking through the flowers, just throwing them as you go everywhere. And you say, come to my house and spend a week and you will not be doing that. Well, yes, I will. Because I don't live there. It's like being a grandma. You get to do all those fun things and then take them home. So we get to do a lot of fun things in here today. Then you have to go home. And there's a little homework at the end and some things to talk about and some things to think about. But we live in a world and we live in a society that just has a messed up view of marriage 
has a messed up view of relationships, has a messed up view of family. I mean, it got a messed up view of parenting. Everything is just, just, just a little bit haywire and just getting worse and worse as we go. It's never been easier for people to fall in love, but it's probably never been harder for people to stay in love. And you may be here with that person who makes your heart flutter, and you may be married 50 years like the Lees, and you know, you got it all whooped, and you got everything taken care of, but I'm sure there are days every day where Bob's got to get up, and he's got to say, God, you gave me this lady. We've been together 50 years. Maybe you should fix her. And Bob's learned well enough in those 50 years. Maybe he needs to, maybe he needs to let God fix him. Never been easier to fall in love. There are 1,500 sites that will take you and match your personality with somebody else and tell you these are the people that you're supposed to be together. Like, this person is for you. And actually, they don't just give you one. They give you a list. You know, they give you a handful and say, try all these out. See what you think. Maybe somewhere, you know, there'll be a good one in here. And we, you know, I've, we've got people in our church that have been that met that way and ended up that way. And I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. You just continue to pray. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God, not by a computer. See, so the, the world has made it easier to fall in love, but the world has taken, taken marriage and, and it's made it this, this crazy commodity that just can be, can be traded or disposed of or switched. Or the, the idea is pumped into our, to our hearts as young people as we grow that, you know what, I'll eventually find the right one. That, that I just chose poorly this time. Well, that's a lie. That's not true. God puts you together with this person. And you may say, well, the circumstances. Well, I'm not talking about the circumstances. We're above the circumstances. See, we're above. Where you are today, walking with this person who God has put you with, who you stood at the altar somewhere along the way and said, I purpose in my heart to love this person with everything that I am. See, when I do marriage counseling now, God's really, I mean, that's, that's the place that I, I take people back to. Whoa, 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 let's get rid of all the junk. Let's go back to square one. If we could wipe out the last 15 years, or we could wipe out the last six months, or we could wipe out all the junk, and we could go back to that day where you two stood in this place, and you said that I love you more than anything else in this earthly world, and, and she said, I love you more than anything else, and I promise to give myself to you, and I promise to give my, and I promise to submit myself and my will to you, and to always look out for your best interest and all of those things. That day when you smiled at each other and just thought, oh, this just can't get any better. You know, it, well, you're right. <laughs> but anyway, you know, it's, <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it can, it, it can, it should. <laughs> That's the idea, right? But, but see, you, you go back to this day and you say, if all of that could be taken care of and all that could be gone and you could come back to this place, would you do that? And, and I'm telling you, I haven't had anybody say no. I've had a lot of people go, mm. but they all, in the end, they're like, yes, that's, and then the tears start to come. Yes, that's what I want in my life. Well, that's no problem. Over the next four weeks, we'll get there, and we'll be all right. We'll head that direction, and next week, we'll begin to talk about making love. A verb, Missy, a verb, <laughs> making love a verb in our life. Don't. <laughs> It'll be a good week at the Skelton household, but... Anyway, that's another problem we'll get to another day. I mean, people stay together, right? I mean, there are, there are people who stay together. There are folks who say, I'm going to stay with you because I purposed in my heart never to get a divorce. Well, then you just cohabitate. 
That's a contract. That's not a relationship. That's not a covenant. So I'm going to stay with you until the kids get out. When the kids get out, then we're going to go our separate ways. That's not a covenant. That's a contract. And in your life, your marriage should be a covenant, not a contract. See, it should be something that you have in your heart, not toward a marriage, but toward a person in your heart, given yourself to her, given yourself to him, just as we do with Christ. See, it says you come to Christ, and he is the bride, or the bridegroom, and we are the bride. And we come to Christ, and we give ourselves to him. It's not that later on in life, we're going to go a different direction if we find something better. We come to Christ for better or for worse, for the direction that he takes us or doesn't take us, for the things that happen or don't happen, for the things we receive or don't receive, we take him. And we don't let go of him. And in our life and in our marriage, we have to come into it with that same kind of idea and that same kind of thought. Jesus said in John chapter 13, in verse 34, he said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. <clears throat> Not just love one another as the world loves. And he didn't just come and say, you know what? Love one another, good luck. He said, I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another. And this goes beyond the marriage relationship. This is for us and our families. This is for us and our friends. This is for us and our boss. This is for us and the relationships that we find ourselves in in the business world. I mean, these are the, this is how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in this earth if you don't want to have relationship issues. If you want to live a fulfilled and happy, abundant life that God has promised us, this is how we're supposed to walk. Yes, in our home, because it starts there. And I'll tell you this, in this order of relationships, of course, I bypass a little bit the fact that our relationship with Jesus is the first relationship that we need to make sure is solid, on good ground, and heading in the right direction. But after that comes your wife, your husband, your spouse. After that is, that is the next relationship that is the most important to us. Then why do we spend most of our time trying to devalue the relationship that is supposed to mean the most to us? That God has put us with this person and their weaknesses drive us nuts. See, we put us with this person and we say, I can't take them and I can't stand the way they do this. And so we go about trying to fix the very thing that God gave us. And we, we go into this relationship saying, I'm go you know what? I know what's best for you. Well, truly, who knows what's best for us? God does. Who created them, weaknesses, strengths, or whatever you want to call them? Who created them that way? God. And who gave them to you? He did. So we should value and treasure that great gift that he's given to us. And not run away from the differences or the weaknesses, the weaknesses that we see. What I found in my life was her weaknesses were really, truly my weaknesses. The things that she was strong at, I, I, I looked at sometimes and thought, those are weaknesses. Well, no, they seemed like weaknesses to me because they didn't make any sense. But what I learned was when I began to let go of what I thought and love her for who she is, for who God created her to be, I began to embrace those things that I thought once were weaknesses, and I began to see them as great strengths in her. It, it, it is true. Jesus said that we're supposed to love each other. See, I had to begin to love her differently than the way I thought I needed to love her. Because my, part of my loving her was to fix her. And nowhere here does it say, 
go ahead, it's a new commandment I give to you that you love one another and fix all the faults and problems in their life. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, I give to you a new commandment that you love one another and only, only love them if they do the right thing. It doesn't say that. It says, love one another as I have loved you. Now think about that for a minute because we want nothing more than his unconditional love. And this goes back to our forgiveness talk about anger and those kind of things when we were talking about letting things go. We want his unconditional love in our life. I want him to love me regardless of whether I make it or not, regardless of whether I do what's right or not, regardless if I make mistakes, regardless if I get to the top or I still at the bottom. If I'm going around the same mountain five times, I still want him to love me unconditionally. I still want to feel that when I come to be with him, when I come to spend time with him. And in my life, that's what I seek most. All he's telling us here in our life is to love people that way, this direction. We want to receive it this way, top down. But we're not so sure about giving it this direction. And the way our relationship's set up, with him as the first place, and then our spouse is the most important relationship in this earth, and then our kids, and then our family, and then the outside relationships in our home. The deal is, if you mess up that order anywhere, you can't be successful past it. If you mess up your relationship with God and you're not, you're not living your life right and you're going heinous in the wrong direction, you are not, your, your relationships below that will not work. That your relationships have to start with God solid, then the next step has to be solid with your spouse. Then the next step has to be solid with your children. Then the next step has to be solid with your family. Then the next step has to be solid with the people who are around you. And if you mess any of those up and your relationship's not right, you think that it's going to get better on the way down. It won't. Because once that relationship gets haywire in the middle, it's a you problem, not a them problem. This doesn't mean that you're going to be tiptoeing through the tulips holding hands with each other all the time. But you should in your life. See, your boss may not see eye to eye with you, but you're trying to love him and bless him and take care of the things that make him look great. And so in that relationship, see, what you're doing is you're pouring out the love of God just as he asks us. And then in that particular position, then you can go down to the next level and to the next level and to the next level and it'll continue to work. But if you mess up that relationship in the middle with your spouse, it's not going to go well at the other relationship levels. A lot of the time what we do is we go and we try to take all of our energy and put it into the other levels because we want to feel better down here because we've got to mess up here. See, I can't, I can't relate with my spouse and I have a hard time getting along and, and they're not doing the things that I really want them to do in my life and I expect them to do. They're not meeting my expectations and so I pour my life into my kids. And then I justify that saying, well, I just I want to have you know, great kids and I don't want them to go through the things that I went through and I want their life to be different than my life. But eventually that thing will sour too because the one above it doesn't work. We have to walk in love in all of our relationships. We have a low threshold of pain, whether it's our boss, whether it's our neighbor, whether it's our spouse. When pain comes and tough times come and we have to work at things and we have to try to get past ourselves and into who they are, no different than it is with the Lord. We want a, we want a fast food marriage. We want a Burger King marriage. I'll have it my way. I think I got it right that time, right? Yeah, I messed it up last time. See, but if you interview folks who've been married for a long time, they're going to tell you that there were days 
or that thought came, what in the world have we gotten into? You know, there are days that come. They say it was a little bit painful sometimes. There are days they're going to tell you that they had to work at becoming all they were here to become. But they became that because they didn't give up. They didn't quit. And most of the time, when I was talking to a guy at a wedding last weekend, and when we were finished, he came up and he said, uh, we've been married like 46 years, you know. And I said, wow, that's unreal, dude. No, I said, that, congratulations. That's fantastic. 46 years. And I said, wow, that's amazing. What's the secret? And he said, well, I know who the boss is. And I thought, wow, there's something to be said for that. And then he just pointed straight up. And he said, I just follow what he says. And if I can follow what he says, then everything's taken care of with us. And he smiled and he winked and he waved at her and she smiled at him and went, mm-hmm. that makes me sick. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's not, it's not true. That's, that's good stuff. That's, that's solid. That's, that's what we're all looking for. It makes me sick because I know what the cost is. Right? You got to forget yourself. Here's the problem. We're all, we all come into our relationship. We all come into our marriage with certain dreams and desires and wishes. You know, we have certain ways when we come into this relationship how we have perceived or thought it would go. And while you're dating, that is not marriage and it will change. Just for your own, uh, those of you who aren't here, things get different. Because then you're put in a place of covenant. And you're put in a place where you don't have an out. And, and you come into this relationship and you're in this, the, the, the man comes in thinking, this is the way it's going to be and she's going to have dinner for me when I come home and then she's just going to, to pat her down the stairs and, and love me and lift her leg like this when she kisses me when I come in the house. And when she goes to bed, she'll wear this particular thing and not all that other stuff and it's just going to be lovely. And the woman, see, she comes into the marriage just knowing that her husband will want to come home with flowers and candy and and perfume and he'll spin up the stairs singing a great song and he'll dance her across the kitchen. Right? And he won't care if she wants to wear sweats and cold cream to bed. It'll be all right. Those, see, those are dreams and desires and wishes. There are others. But see, those, we, we come in with these preconceived thoughts. Whether your parents were one direction and you said, it's never going to be like that in our house. Only to find out, you know, two years later, wow, I'm living in my parents' house. I think we've been possessed by them. Right? Or you thought they had the most wonderful marriage in the world. And it's just going to be like that. And then you get married and you look at that guy and say, you're not my daddy. He's like, what are you talking about, man? I don't even know. When's dinner? See, and then we, there's nothing wrong with having those dreams and wishes and desires. Many of those things God has put in our heart. The problem becomes when we take those dreams and wishes and desires and then we make them expectations. 
Because then when you come home a few minutes late and you don't have flowers and you're not dancing in the kitchen, she's at the top of the stairs clicking her foot. (laughs) And when dinner's not there on time, he gets grumpy and moody and starts kicking things and working outside in the yard and banging things in the garage. Communication breaks down and things go sideways. See, when you begin to walk in expectation, you've just told the other person what the minimal acceptable behavior is. This is what must happen for me to be happy. You must do this. And so now what that does is it sets up a bar. And no matter what your spouse does to meet that expectation, it's always right underneath the bar. You never give them any room to go above and beyond. Because you have said now, I expect this. Maybe not out of your mouth, but with your actions and with your words. This is the way it's going to be. Because all of a sudden now, you're not happy when it doesn't go that way. When they continue to do that thing that you want them to fix or change, it doesn't get better. When that dream and desire isn't met. See, you enter into, really truly, you enter into a debt-debtor relationship. Just like we talked about the last four weeks. You owe me this. This This is what I expect. This isn't what I signed up to do when I said I do. This isn't what I signed up for. Well, it's what it is. (laughs) Well, the <laughs> and you did sign up for it because you signed that piece of paper. <laughs> so you got on board. The problem is we, man, we can put on a good show <laughs> before we go down that aisle. And we, you know, la, la, la. I can do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the key is I got to do la, la, la all the time. <laughs> right. See, Adam and Eve were the first us. They weren't an I, they were an us. In your marriage relationship, you are an us, not an I. See, because we say stuff like, well, I really care about my marriage. Well, marriage is just a thing. Do you really care about your spouse? See, I want to fix my marriage. I want to save my marriage. Well, how about we focus on us and taking care of our spouse? And if we will do what John said in chapter 13, love her, love him as Christ loves us, then we won't have to worry about my marriage. It'll be our covenant relationship, and you'll become an us and not an I. And it said in Genesis in chapter 2, God spoke, and he said, it is not good that Adam be alone. Most of the time. Because sometimes it's, uh, it's really good. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> In this sense, it's not good. But he said, it is not good. In verse 18, that man should be alone. He said, I will make him a helper comparable to him. Not someone he can lord over, but a helper comparable to him. To work in this life together and then if you go down and you continue to read since we only have three scriptures on the list i should probably read these it says then the rib which the lord had taken from man he made into a woman and he brought her to man and adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh shall shall she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh see when you be, when you when you become 
this person who's dealing with expectations instead of desires, you've entered into an I-type situation. And what you've done is you've, you've put an onus on them that they have to meet your desire. And now you're not working as one flesh, you're working as two situations, hopefully, hopefully cohabitating in such a way that everybody can get along. Again, that's, that's a contract. That's not a covenant marriage. So you have to be careful. With the debt-debtor relationship, see, you say I owe you, and then the deal is you can only make minimum payments on that. You can't get ahead. And so, so, so even though our expectations are being met, even we're not happy. See, even we've got a problem because we're not getting any joy out of it because they're always right below the bar. Think of it like this, you know, as a bill collector. You make your minimum payments. You make your payments each month to the trash guy. He does not send you a nice frilly letter that says, thank you so much for making your payment. That was so, that was so fantastic of you. Why? Because it's, it's what's expected. So there's no gratitude coming. That The bill collector doesn't call you and say, thank you for making your house payment. That was awesome. I appreciate the way you wrote your script. And I, it was so nice. It was on time and everything. They don't do that. And neither do we in that relationship. See, when we begin to expect those things, they come in. Even if they do come in, we, we, don't, have that, we don't have that kind of grateful attitude because they should be. And that's our, that, that, well, you should be doing that. That's what's expected. Well, you should be like that because that's what I thought or that's what you should be or that's what will fix you or that's what will help you. But I'll tell you what, with the bill collector, if you miss your house payment, you get a lot of special attention. They'll even call you on the phone and say, hey, where's my money? And it's like that in our relationships too when they don't even come close to that bar. See, we hold them in contempt that way. And I, 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 I deal with this just like you do. And at our house, you know, we have laundry in the case of the inside-out wardrobe. And this is an expectation that is just driving me bananas for a long time. I do laundry in our house. Every person in our home besides me takes their clothes off inside out. Every single one of them, every single piece of clothing. And when I do laundry, then I have to undo their clothing every time. How awful is that? It's just a desire, a simple dream that I have that one day I will go down and I'll wash my clothes, be able to take them out of the laundry basket, and they'll be right side out. It even got, this is how bad it was, it even got to the point where when something would come out of the laundry the right side out, I would yell up the stairs, hey, nice job! <laughs> Hoping that that one little reward for the good deed that I saw <laughs> will somehow pay off and all of my dreams and desires will be fulfilled. All of them. Daniel, the one closest to me. My boy. He does that too now. I think they've got him in cahoots. I think they've said, hey, this drives dad nuts. Just undo everything. Just turn them all inside out because he loves to like pull them all out. And their shirts are small. I can't even get my hand in them. I'm just This is simple things. Makes me not like them. 
I mean, really? I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm down there, and sometimes I do it on Fridays. It's, it's my day off, and so I'm down there in the morning, and I spend, I spend my three hours on Friday morning doing laundry. The least they can do is turn the shirt in, right side out. I mean, that's, that's not much to ask, is it? The other day, I noticed she was using my toothbrush. And we've done that for years, you know, like we'll only have one in there because she forgets where the other one is. And so it's all right. And so, you know, it's okay. And so we, you know, so we have, but there's two in there now, the blue one and the orange one, right? The orange one's hers, the blue one's mine. That's not hard. So, um, so I just happened to mention to her one day, hey, like when I get up in the morning, like my toothbrush is wet. You're not, you know, you're not using that or anything. Are you just getting it pre-wet for me? So it'll be okay, right? You know, I'm going somewhere. So. And you know what? Like, from that day on, it's been dry every time. And you know how sad I am? My toothbrush is dry. Because in the morning, when I use it after she's used it, it's kind of like I get a kiss. And I wanted to complain about it, and now she won't use it. So the other day, I went as far as to say, you're not using my toothbrush anymore. And I was going into it with this. This was the direction I was going. That's why I brought this up. I was going to, to this direction. Then if you can do that, could you please turn your clothes right side out? I mean, if you cannot use my toothbrush just by asking, I'm going to take that positive thing that just happened and I'm going to ask you to turn your shirt inside out. But what I found was I missed my wet toothbrush. And when I do laundry on Friday mornings, what I have done is taken the expectation off of them and I've just gotten rid of those desires and dreams or wishes or whatever that might be. And I said, you know what? Every time I get to undo a piece of laundry, I am serving her by doing the laundry and loving her. And I get to think about the wonderful quirks that make her who she is and that drew me to her in the first place. If inside out laundry... See, if inside-out laundry is the cost that I have to pay to have her, then that is a great cost and I'll pay it all the time. But if I see that as a problem, if I see that as something that she needs to fix, and you're only going to make me happy if you turn your shirts inside out. I know you can't. It's just it's not possible. I know it. I've given it up. It's okay. Don't even try. Don't go home and make this a new week. That's all good. I don't mind. And that's a, you know, that's a silly thing. You know, but that's, that's what happens. That, that thing that could be that little could end up to be such a big deal in people's lives. We've sat with people. You've sat with people and you've talked to them. And, and you begin, they begin to tell you this story. And literally, you have to hold your mouth up because you're going, are you serious? Just turn the laundry inside out. Well, I shouldn't have to do that. Okay. This is not going to end well for you. I'm just telling you. that was a me thing. See, we went for years, about six or seven years into our marriage. She was trying to meet all of my expectations and she was always coming just under the bar or not even getting close. And in my life, I was like, well, you're almost there. You're almost getting there. And so she was trying to conform to my expectations. And you know what it did? It ruined intimacy and romance in our life. And we were just cohabitating in a house to the point where six, seven years later, we looked at each other and said, who are you and what are we even doing here? It's a little more serious than laundry. 
See, she had been trying. I had put out all of these expectations, and not in necessarily words, but in my actions and attitudes. When she did something, I didn't like it. I let her know about it. Maybe not with my words, but with the way I pouted and acted. And when she came through, it was like, well, there you go. You're getting better. That was the attitude. Not a winning attitude, eh, Bill? <laughs> not that it's going that way, but, you know, I mean, you just, uh, you know. You laugh, not me. I mean, you were laughing, so I was just saying, you, 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 you know me. So, But really, we had, that brought us to a point in our life, and what it brought us to was a point in my life where I had to make a decision that that was not my job to fix her. My job was to allow God to fix me. And if I can focus on me and who he called me to be in this relationship, then everything else will be okay. What if she doesn't change? Everything else will be okay because you'll change. Your life will be different. Abraham did not look to Sarah for his fulfillment. He looked to God. He did not say, Sarah, you're not having a baby fast enough. Come on, old woman. <laughs> he didn't say that. <laughs> Good thing we all might not be here. Sarah might have taken a cane to him and it might have been over. He's always feisty. It says, not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God. See, he understood the situation. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that God was able, that he was fully convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform. We would not argue and we would not say because we stand behind this and the other side. We say those dreams and desires were given to me by God. Then how come they're not meeting them? Because God is the one who meets your desires and brings them to pass, not somebody else. And when you begin to get those dreams and desires mixed up and into expectations, then you begin to look to people to fulfill those expectations and you will be let down every time. But if you look to God for the fulfillment of those promises in your life, for those dreams and for those wishes that you have, you will be fulfilled the rest of your life. And what you'll find, and I have found this, and I'm sure you have too, some of the things that I had as dreams, desires, and wishes have changed over time. He has perfected or is perfecting me. And part of that is he begins to change and knock off the pieces and the parts like we saw in the video two weeks ago. God is the fulfiller of your dreams and your desires. In Psalms, in chapter 37. Now, I've talked a lot about marriage, but this works in all of your relationships. You have problems with your sister and your brother and everybody else because you're expecting them to be something that they're not. You're expecting them to do something they didn't do. That problem's with you, not with them. It doesn't say I extend grace to those who offer me grace. It says do unto others as I would have them do unto me. Not do unto others. See, we've thrown that out and said do unto others as they have done to you. Do unto others before they do unto you. And we've made that acceptable in our relationships. We've made it acceptable in our homes and in our marriage. But we're not a kind of church that stands by and just smiles at everybody and just waves and says, how's it going? Good, good, good. We're a church full of strong families and strong homes. 
Because we have a vision to reach people in this community, around this state and city and this, this, this country and world. We have, we have a vision as this church rises up to take the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus everywhere that we go. And if we're going to take it outside of these doors, we better ought to have that taken care of inside our home doors. Because like I said earlier, if those relationships get jacked up and get out of whack and get messed up, you can't go any further than that. You want to know why things aren't going well at your job or at your, at, your, at your Bible study with your people in the neighborhood or with the people down the street? You look in your house and see if your neighbor, first check your relationship with God, but then look inside your house and see how your relationship's going with your spouse. Are you and us? I got some questions for you at the end of the service for you to ask yourself when you go home this week. What does your spouse owe you? What does your spouse owe you? I mean, seriously, think about it. Sit alone and kind of com- contemplate that. Say, man, I don't, what, is my, what does my spouse owe me? The answer is nothing. You owe, owe, you owe no man but to love him. The answer is nothing. In Psalms 37, verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. This isn't talking about your spouse. This isn't talking about your children. It's not talking about your brother or the guy down the road that you just can't seem to get along with. This is talking about you. It's not when they trust in the Lord, when they feed on his faithfulness, when my wife gets her act together, when my husband finally gets saved, when all, it's not that, it doesn't say that. See, he's talking to you, he's talking to me as individuals in a covenant relationship. Trust in the Lord, John, and do good. Dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness. John, delight yourself in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. Not, Lord, let Elizabeth trust in you. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray for your wife. I'm not saying you don't pray for your husband. I'm not saying you don't lift them up and intercede on their behalf. That God does a work in their life, not that they finally hear it your way or see it your way. Speak these words over your children. Speak these words over your wife, yes. But when you're talking about the person who was able to do something about it, you need to put your name in that place. Because you're trusting in the Lord. You're feeding on His faithfulness. You delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way. Do not fret. See, I'm stuck at home with these kids, and He gets to go do all these things. Or I have to go to work every day, and she gets to do what she wants to do. Yeah, you're fretting. It says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. That's not your spouse. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. As we start and we begin to talk about relationships, the first thing is you have to keep desires, dreams, and wishes as desires, dreams, and wishes. Don't make them expectations. If they've gotten over into your expectation box, take them out, put them back in your dreams, wishes, and desires box. And then say, you know what? This box is going to be fulfilled by God. That way, when your spouse does turn her shirt right side out, you're excited about it. Praise God. Great job, honey. When he does come home with flowers and dances you around the kitchen, you are knocked off your feet in love. 
See, if you can keep dreams, desires, and wishes in that box and not make them expectations, then you have taken your, 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 your need, you have taken that debt-debtor relationship off of them and said, you know what? You don't owe me this to be happy. God's going to take care of these things. I love you unconditionally. Expectations are conditional love. And the kind of relationship that we want with our spouse is a relationship like we have with Jesus that's full of unconditional love. That's what we want from them. That kind of relationship fuels love, intimacy, and romance. Fuels fulfillment and communication. It fuels desire and passion and all of those things. Think about it. He could do no wrong in your eyes ten years ago. See, she could do no wrong Her quirks were so cute. They made you laugh. They made your eyes sparkle. They made you giggle. But after you said, I do, something changed. Then over a period of time, those things that draw you or drew you together begin to push you apart. And you go from being in a covenant relationship to a contractual relationship. You've taken the dreams and desires and wishes and made them expectations. Get them out of that box. Put them back in the box where they belong. And allow God to meet all of your dreams, your desires, and wishes. Amen. Let's stand up together today. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.